0: Welcome to the Awakening Church Podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. Well, good evening. Welcome to Awakening Church. Merry Christmas. Uh, my name's Ryan, and we're absolutely thrilled that you joined us this Christmas uh, Eve and for our service. And uh, one of the things that we were thinking about and just praying about and planning when it came to Christmas Eve, and this was really uh, on our heart, was to have a family Christmas Eve service. Uh, There's enough lights, there's enough glitter, there's enough Christmas chaos and entertainment and all those sort of things around. We wanted to stop for a moment and just pause and be together and enjoy this season, uh, it's kind of strip down the set. And one of the things that was pretty amazing, you may not know that, but on strings were teenagers uh, that were playing the strings. That's amazing. So we have literally a family affair up here. Uh, And I thought in light of sharing kind of a family Christmas Eve service together, I'd share a little bit of our family's tradition, and uh, there's many of you who don't know me or our family so well, so I thought I would show you um, our family, just so you get a picture of our family. That's our family, Uh, my beautiful wife on the left, my three amazing kids in the middle, and uh, this is the... Two days after Thanksgiving, when it's legal to cut down a Christmas tree, that is the proper time uh, when to do that. That's our family photo here. Now, um, one of the things that we, uh, we didn't get around to this Christmas season is we didn't quite... Um, get out a Christmas card to send out. So uh, this is also, next slide, our Christmas card. And so if you'll just take out your phones and take a picture and then go ahead and print that up, put it on the mantle, that would be great. Uh, but Merry Christmas from the Ingrams. We're really thrilled um, that you're here. Uh, one of the things uh, that we did the other day, my wife was we we're sitting around the table, talking uh, as a family, having lunch together, my wife was asking our kids, what are some of their uh, favorite Christmas traditions? And so we began to list them. Embarrassingly so, almost all of them included food. Uh, I don't know if that's true for you or not, but uh, like tonight, one of our favorite Christmas traditions is we're going to have La Villa raviolis. Uh, uh, yeah, if who, by the way, any who braved lines to stand in La Villa raviolis? Who knows about it? Only a few of you. Okay, I just saved Christmas for many of you next year. Go stand in line and get these amazing raviolis. It's unbelievable. Tomorrow morning, we'll wake up, we'll have monkey bread together. And uh, yes, one one person loves monkey bread. That's amazing. Uh, And, you know, we'll have breakfast. One of our Christmas traditions, and I love, this is uh, one of our kids brought this up around the table. It's like, Every Christmas day, we, after having monkey bread and hot cocoa and breakfast and all this sort of stuff, we get on the couch together and we read the Christmas story. And what I I loved was that we're sitting around talking about this as a family is this is one of their memories of Christmas and one of their highlights of the Christmas season And so I thought in sharing a family Christmas, I'd invite you into my family tonight. If we can just, if I could, I'd have a couch here and we could all be on one big couch. It would be a massive um, couch. But here's all I want to do with our time together. I'd love just to read the Christmas story, uh, maybe share a few thoughts along the way and leave you with a question to consider. Yeah, That's all we want to do. I just want to read the Christmas story just the same way uh, I would sitting on the couch with my kids. And, and then just leave you with a question that I hope uh, you will seriously consider and think about and wrestle with through this next uh, few days together. Uh, the Christmas story is found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Uh, and one of the things is because it gets wrapped up into our Christ- our traditions and all this, we forget... Uh, that is firmly rooted in history. This is an event that took place 2,000 years ago. Luke actually is a doctor and a historian, and he he meticulously researches the life of Christ. He examines eyewitnesses, and he writes up an orderly account of what took place. And so we pick up the story here in Luke chapter 2 verse 1, and he begins the birth story of Jesus this way. He says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now, that opening line we've heard so many times is so easy to run past it and move on. And, And yet... That opening line is one of the reasons why I believe every single person should at least seriously consider uh, the claims of Christianity and the person of Jesus. Uh, Because wrapped up in this one little line here is amazing. It's one of history's great mysteries. Uh, And we we miss it. Uh, He says, "In in those days, Caesar Augustus. Now, you know Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, the the man who defeated, uh, you know, um, Marcus Antony for, you know, Cleopatra's husband to gain, you know, uh, power in Rome. He, he's the guy who expanded the Roman Empire two times its size uh, through military might and paved the way literally for the Roman Empire through roads throughout the entire empire and created something unheard of in that day, the Pax Romana or the Peace of Rome. He's the most powerful, most influential Famous person on the planet. What's fascinating, and here's why it's one of history's greatest mysteries, is you don't know Caesar Augustus for that, do you? You know Caesar Augustus. I know Caesar Augustus as a footnote in the birth story of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, who was born in an obscure part of the Roman Empire... Jesus who grew up in a blue-collar home. Jesus who, you know, think about this, um, only did three years of itinerant teaching where Augustus had 30 years of uh, being the ruling empire. Jesus who was executed on a Roman cross. See, see, this should cause us to question and wonder, how is it that the most influential powerful famous person is simply a footnote in this carpenter turned rabbi Jesus it should cause us to wrestle with this like who is this baby really and Luke goes on he says so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house of the line of David he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. We can't begin to fathom how scandalous that line was. It gets wrapped up into our nice you know, Christmas stories. Joseph pledged to be married. I mean, it's the equivalent, but way more uh, uh, legally binding of our day of being engaged And yet the girl he's engaged to is with child, a huge taboo looked down upon, frowned upon. In fact, we'll see just how much shame they had to endure in the lines following. Luke continues on. He says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Why? Because there was no guest room available for them. I like that Luke says guest room. Um, You know, we know the story and we've heard it as, as in there was no room in the help me out. In the end, that's right. No room in the end. And here's how we pictured this moment in our minds, right? Is Mary and Joseph, Caesar, Augustus has this big census. They go off to this faraway town. All the hotels are booked. They go online. They can't VRBO anything at all. There's no room whatsoever around. And so they're destined to be in this stable. And yet, yeah, there's a technical Greek word for in. Uh, And Luke actually knows this Greek word, and here's the reason we know it. In Luke chapter 10 in the Good Samaritan, he uses this specific word for inn or place of lodging. And here he doesn't use this word. It's the root word guest room. Joseph wasn't going to an unknown land. He was going to his hometown. He's going to where family, think of a family reunion, but you show up with a pregnant girl out of wedlock. And the sense of shame, and the sense of pain, and the sense of rejection. Think about Joseph. This is amazing how he gave up his dream and his status to bring in and usher in the coming king. See, this this has a whole lot more weight to it, doesn't it? And we see this moment that Emmanuel, God with, with us, is entering in into this Judean hillside in Bethlehem and probably a cave with a stable, a stable for animals. And Luke continues, and he says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, because that's what happens when angels show up. You get scared. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy, and I love this, for all people, not for some people, not for the right people, for every person. Why? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The announcement of the Messiah, the announcement of Emmanuel, God with us, the, the announcement... I mean, just think about it. you're having a baby and, and you want to tell the most important people and have just the right people around. And God goes and proclaims it to shepherds. Not to kings and princes in a palace, not even to priests in a temple, but to shepherds in a field. And We have this nice picture of shepherds in our day, but shepherds were dirty in that day. Uh, shepherds were all the, quote, wrong people. They actually were notorious for being liars and cheats. They lived outside of town. They spent long seasons away uh, from people. And and these were, quote unquote, all the wrong type of people. And God says, I'm going to show up and give my announcement about this coming Messiah, this great news to them. And it's as if God's with a megaphone saying, hey, guess what? This is good news for all people. Not just the right people. This is good news for all people, not just the religious people. You may have showed up this evening and felt like maybe I'm in the wrong place, or I'm the wrong person, or God can never love me. In fact, I think for many of us, we think about God the way I think about my gym membership. And, and and church, the way I think about my gym membership, and I don't know if you have this experience, and especially with January coming up, I'm going to start to get back into it, I'm, I, I plan at least. Here's the way I think about my gym membership. You have to be really in shape to go to the gym. You ever have that thought? Like, I want to go to the gym, but I'm not in good enough shape to go to the gym, and so I'm going to get in shape before I go to the gym. And this is what we do with God, isn't it? I have to be really good before I get to God. I have to get to the, be the right person. In fact, we think this about the church. Well, I'm just not good enough. And God's saying, hey, guess what? I'm coming after you. You're not coming after me. I'm coming after you. I'm pursuing you. And I want with a megaphone from my birth announcements to show that I've come for all people. And it's good news. And I'm here. And would you welcome me in? Suddenly, A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now notice this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. By the way, when you encounter Jesus, you can't help but talk about Jesus. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let me just leave you with a question. And it's simply this. What if it's true? I mean, what if it's true? What if this season is more than a nice season? What if what we just read is actually true? That God visited the planet. That Emmanuel, God with us. That it's more than just simply God with us, but but it's God for us. What if it's true that God says he's flinging open the gates of the kingdom and says, come to me just as you are. You don't have to fix your life up. I'm coming to you right where you're at. What if it is true? I mean, just, just for the sake of thinking about history's greatest mysteries and thinking about the impact of this rabbi ter- that had revolutionized our world, wouldn't you at least consider it? Wouldn't you at least think deeply upon, could it possibly be true? Who is this baby in a manger? Because if it is true, it's the greatest news the planet has ever heard. Because if it is true, it means you have a God who loves you. If it is true, you have a God who pursues you. If it is true, you're not left on your own to work it out or work your way to somewhere and work your way to God. You have a God who says, I want you. I'm coming after you. See, Christianity and the news of Jesus is far more than good advice. It's fundamentally good news. It, it's something has happened upon which the world is a different place. It's an event that took place. And we tend to push it into the realm of good advice that Jesus was this good teacher, and certainly he was a good teacher, and that, you know, this is a nice, sweet season, and it, there's some good morals to take from it. But at the heart of Christianity is a historical event. In fact, all of Christianity hangs and hinges upon a singular historical event, not a sacred text, not religious dogma, but a singular event that if happened, all of it's true. It's the resurrection. And if Jesus rose from the grave, then all that he said is true and is trustworthy. And for us, I just want to invite you. Would you consider... Would you consider afresh? Maybe you've put it off. Maybe you've just kind of placed it in the realm of tradition and holiday season. But but would you consider? Could it be true? In fact, I think there's maybe two responses for us this evening as we close up our time. One is for those who've kind of relegated Jesus to he's a good teacher. He's had certainly had profound impact on our world, but he's only stayed there. And the invitation is simply this, would you reconsider Jesus? Like with fresh eyes, not maybe what your, you know, college professor said, or maybe what you heard, or even what you read on, online, but would you reconsider Jesus afresh and, and actually get into the stories that were written about him and, and, and examine who is this baby born in a manger? I love what A.W. Tozer, he's a famous writer of a time ago, and he says, It does seem strange that so many persons become excited about Christmas and so few stop to inquire into its meaning. But I suppose this odd phenomenon is quite in harmony with our unfortunate human habit of magnifying trivialities and ignoring matters of greatest importance. This Christmas season, would you no longer... Ignore matters of greatest importance. Because what do you have to lose, by the way? To reconsider Jesus, what do you have to lose? Nothing. What do you have to gain? Everything. Would you stop and investigate and examine who this Jesus is? And for those of us maybe that are in this room that have gone through the Christmas season and you would be a follower of Jesus, but it's become rote. It's become mundane. Perhaps, perhaps... This great and beautiful, amazing news has just shifted back to good advice. And I'd invite you to do what our kids sang. Come and adore. Come and adore him. This Christmas season, would you once more wonder at what this baby is in a manger that is more than a baby, but that God in humility became flesh for our sake and took on the payment and suffering of sin for all of humanity, all of time, that we might have a relationship with him, and he rose again to victory in the third day that we might have life. Would you once more just be in awe and wonder and adore? you stand we're going to close with some christmas carols and i just want to close with we're going to sing with this song but i want to read we sing the christmas carols but i want to read the words of this invite the band back up the words the first verse of "O holy night goes this way oh holy night the stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear savior's birth Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So what do you do when a new and glorious morn breaks forth? You fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices, oh, night divine. O night when Christ was born, what if it's true?